0: Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm here with Kendra Roxana Wade. Uh, Really excited to have her on board to be able to have a conversation. And Roxana, or I say Kendra. You prefer Kendra, by the way?
1: Um, Either one. My girlfriend calls me Roxy.
0: Okay. So uh, what I want to do is have you introduce yourself briefly, tell my audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just continue from there.
1: Sure. Um, Hey, everyone. My name is Kendra Roxana Wade. Um, I'm 32. My pronouns are she and her. I live in Springfield, Illinois. I've been doing massage. I've got about five years of experience doing that. And I've done Reiki now for about 10 years. Uh, I just got started doing the table tie. And my mat has actually will ship in just a couple of days. Super excited about it. Next week, I start school for cosmetology. So I'm going to do the whole whole beauty school routine and then do like a whole, you know, spa salon. I like to sell some little items and things too, but no, yeah. So I got some stuff in the works, but that's about what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. I was anxious or, uh, I should say happy to see you diversify into things that you were interested in your social media caught my eye because of the time massage related work. And then adding what I would generally call beautician services seems like a good way to diversify your practice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, It really started because I liked doing the massage and I kind of got some gender euphoria from that. It reminded me of doing almost like temple work sort of thing. You know what I mean? Where picture like way out in like the Greek temples with like the pillars and like like Roman baths or something like that. It's kind of what I picture in my head with like the sheets and everything like that. And like, I just like some goddess worship and stuff. But over time, it started to take like a toll on my body and like the amount of effort I was putting into doing the massage, it didn't make me feel, you know, light or feminine or just, I didn't enjoy inside of my body, which was a big reason in doing like movement therapies and helping people. And so I moved on to, uh, I like doing the, um, the makeup and things like that and, uh, doing my hair. And so I get a lot of like gender euphoria from that. And there's very, like, it's a pretty like woman gendered industry. And so, I'm I like doing all of that there. And then I'm, I would like to. St- I like doing the uh, the body work and things like that, and to do work clothes on it allows you to do a lot more. You don't have like what you're wearing is different. Like you can wear like makeup, for instance. Uh, you can wear more normal everyday clothes. Uh, you can go. I, th- I feel like doing a Thai massage. You can go from doing something like that, some body work, and like I've seen you do like the 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 bands and things mm-hmm. like that where you're like, yeah, if you could, you could go right from that to walking next to another room and cut somebody's hair, like no problem. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And the amount of time it takes just to go from one thing to the other, it's, it's very different. Uh, I, I, seem, I'm liking it a lot more. Um, I'm liking the connection with the clients more. Uh, big thing that I've noticed is when you're doing a normal, like stand up on the table massage, it's a big, I almost feel like it's a performance because like you're standing there, you have to set yourself like in a certain way, blah, blah, blah. And you're very concerned about the way your body is or the way your body is seen, even though that the person is their their eyes are closed on the table, but it's such a different feel on the table. It's like you're performing something for the person. Uh, There's a lot of different connotations with being trans and doing massage and people undressing on the table and stuff like that. But it's a lot different when you're just like, all right, you know, if you want to just sit on the table here, you can leave your clothes on and I'll just start pressing on your feet to start with and see how you feel. Um, Like secondary body contact is a thing that they say not to do, Yeah. but this, yeah. And your teachings there, it said about, it's actually pretty good. It's very grounding and secure. And I've found that as well. Um, And I believe in, you know, like entrainment with your nervous system when you're working with somebody and you're breathing with them, the nervous system sink. It's, you know, monkey see, monkey do. There's actual scientific you know, terms for it. And your breathing sinks, all sorts of stuff, like brain waves, probably. And you can kind of sense into your clients. That's part of what I was taught originally in my myofascial, which wasn't a John Barnes thing, not to talk any bad about anybody's things. But it's very much, it was like direct work where you're just, you're feeling the person, you're allowing them to breathe and feel their space and you're creating movement and like pressure and skin stretching to allow their nervous system to enact the change. And that's very, it's, I'm telling my clients it's the same principles as what we've been doing. It's just slightly different. Uh, You know, you had your clothes on and things like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so going back to when you're sitting with the client on the table, You're kind of like breathing into their body, and like gender and things like that. None of that really matters. There's just all of that kind of goes away, and you feel your body, you feel their body as well, and you're moving, and you're like swaying them, and you can feel what's happening inside of their body. And if you think of it in like a loosening of an energy, just like this, you're just like loosening the things, and you can feel their body start to react, and it's a whole just exchange. That it's it's a whole different experience. And I feel like it's a more complete and holistic or whole experience for the clients rather than, all right, now I'm going to go step on out, put your clothes back on, and I'll see you in a few minutes. Just like, all right, how do you feel? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a sort of um, cultural box for massage itself. And part of the reason I'm rebranding and moving to the name Next Level Pain Relief is because the students kept looking at the practice as like a supplement to what they were already doing in school. Okay. And I kept going, okay, hold on, why don't we just create a completely new service that's superior for pain relief?
2: They're like, no, but I, you know, I do massage. And I'm like,
0: what if we could introduce a service that was superior, that was less sexualized, that was more intimate, that gave clients more touch, helped them with pain relief more, that decreased fees for laundry, that decreased fees for equipment that was easier to trans. And they're like, no, that's not, no, this, that's not possible. And I'm like, it's too late. It's already been created.
1: Like that's not massage, or at least that's not what we know as massage.
2: Yeah.
0: The the foundation, and, and, and this is a key point for me, was like mat-based. I was dead set on mat-based bodywork. That was a, a, a no, there was no, in my world, there was no argument about that. It's either I'm gonna work on this mat or I'm gonna quit. Like, there is no reason for me to work on this table. This is way too much physical strain. The more I pushed on that, the students in class started to go, without me necessarily enunciating it or uh, making it extremely verbally clear, I'm like, no, I'm trying to like basically flip your practice upside down and get you on a mat-based practice, which has a completely different foundation. And they're like, well, where's the table? And I'm like, we don't use those anymore. We've moved past that. Like, where's the cream and oil? And I'm like, we've moved past that. And they're like, well, the person doesn't get naked. I'm like, no, it's where we've moved past that. And they're like, no, but I want to do massage. And I'm like, I don't understand what you think that is, but why don't we deliver a superior service for pain relief? That has been a constant like tug of war. And then slowly as students come on board, they report some similar things to what you were saying, and frankly, they're sometimes in shock. Like they can't believe, for instance, when they do a little bit on a table, they're like, "The clients actually like it, and I'm like, "Yes. Do you think I'm just putting out like all these videos because I'm lying to people? Like do you think I'm just a snake oil salesman just putting out stuff that doesn't actually help the therapist and doesn't actually help the clients? Like you're
2: just a copyrighted brand guru just trying to get us all of this pyramid scheme or something?
1: <laughs> i'm just joking no no but you're absolutely right because like i was telling my clients like this is just like a tool you know what i mean this is like yeah. the table instead of like this is what where's our space is our working space use the tool as a table because in other like it's massage and body work you know i've I've learned body work as soft tissue manipulation which they had to create a legal definitive line between like this and chiropractic but some of my other things they're like and what, what we're doing we're considering bones of soft tissue you just can't like force it to do anything you know you can bring somebody to that precipice put pressure and have them breathe and allow something allow them to go themselves and so it's it's really moving things around uh in it's it really is like revolutionizing the practice and i identify with it a lot uh because or resonate with it because of the way i work on myself a lot of the way i work on myself isn't just self-massage it's i stretch and i i i I go into that pain. You know what I mean? You, a lot of people, they're like, Oh no, like go oh, like the, it's the pain is scary. Um, and in like Tonglen meditation, breathing, breathing meditation, you breathe in the negative experience and you sit with it and you allow it to to change. You identify what it is, you identify the opposite and you breathe that out. And so you go like towards what's kind of like hurting because it's, your, your nervous system, you don't want it to hurt, but like you go towards what you want to shy away from and allow like the softening and a change to take place. And then your nervous system is like, okay, all right. It's now it's moving back again. And so that's how I've learned to, to work on myself. And so it's almost the exact same thing. You know, like my shoulder hurts, I stretch my shoulder out. And so what we're doing with the clients, we're taking their shoulder and moving it around. And when I'm, when I'm doing it to them, uh, I'm, I'm moving and I'm telling them that I'm feeling for resistance, but this is all the same things I've been doing because in my deep tissue, I wasn't just cranking in an elbow at a deep tissue. I was gradually going in like deeper and deeper until it's very deep, but gentle work. And you meet up in point of resistance because it was doing a yoga like practice. Uh, you meet the point of resistance and you wait for a softening and it's clients definitely see the difference because it's their nervous system is interacting You're just being the facilitator for their experience. It's my nervous system is doing things that interact with your nervous system and your nervous system is changing. It's not me doing anything special. It's let me do this here and see how you're reacting. And we're going to communicate and have feedback up and back.
0: Yeah. Just, just something as small as, as passive body contact. I would, I would teach and just, just do what I do without making an issue of it. In other words, you just teach it and do it. And it's just, it's completely normal, right? And the students go, I don't know. You, you just make so much passive body contact. And I go, so why can't we make passive body contact? And they're like, well, you know, but we were taught in school. And I'm like, yeah, but in school you were working on naked people. I don't have people take off clothes.
1: Yeah, I've noticed a huge difference there. Uh, because when you're naked on the table, you know that you're naked. You know the client is naked. Everything is like centered around, let me make sure that I'm doing this. because. I mean, massage can be very intimate and connected, you know, and that's almost like one of the the best parts of it. I believe like tantra, for instance, is like um, a developed and channeled like awareness of sexual energy almost. And so you don't want any of that to be like, ooh, I'm touching you. But, you know, think of like energy healing and you can feel and it's almost like palpable sometimes. And so you're almost like sometimes sending like energy like in and through the client. And so if you're doing that and you're like, oh, this person's naked, touch oops like no uh you're changing the whole thing because they're closed. oftentimes their eyes are just open there's like laying there just like this and you're just like how you doing all right because we're talking just moving them around and it's it's like just lounging around and it's i don't know have you ever had the difference between like a cuddle puddle you know what i mean like a bunch of people just like just hugging each other it's it's kind of nice i don't know i think in the hippie sense but i mean esalen they were kind of naked there but
0: yeah. Regardless. Oh, so I, I was at Esalen years ago for a month and there was a and this is again the culture in the massage industry, these sort of norms about stuff and people went uh in a massage group they're like those people at Esalen are crazy and I'm like why and they're like well they're just like running around naked and I'm like have you ever been to Esalen? And they're like no, why? And I'm like oh, okay. So when you go to Esalen there's like the lodge and that's like the central kind of meeting hub and then where the cafeteria is. So if there's a big meeting for everybody on on grounds it's kind of in the lodge. But the baths is where the the hot tubs are essentially. And these are naturally fr- fed hot springs from like, you know, sulfur rich like water that comes down whatever. But they built these artificial, if you want to call it, baths that capture that water. So you are in this amazing multi-million dollar complex, okay? You go in the first time, it's a little strange because people get naked. And this is more like sauna culture in like Finland, by the way. So
1: a lot of it is very cultural. You know, massage itself, you want to give the person the experience that is a cultural standard. You don't want them to be like, oh, what is this? Especially if you're getting naked on the table. Like in school, we were taught in France, they do school naked, you know, but it's different there. If it was normalized here, that's different. And that's part of the thing of changing the culture when you begin you you change people's minds, it spreads out, and then the whole industry itself can develop.
0: Yeah. yeah. So when you go to Esalen, the first time it's a little awkward. You get naked, take a quick shower, and then you run over and jump in the tub. Now, when you, when you sit down in the tub, you're literally on the cliffs. There's, there are ocean waves crashing. It's extremely relaxing. You can imagine that this ain't fake waves. This is real waves, not from a, a sound machine. So the way the baths are constructed, there's even like a ledge that essentially catches the sound waves and refracts them inside this chamber where they're doing the massages. So it's full full of waves, right? So if you're a client and you go to Esalen or you're somebody like me who's hanging out at Esalen and you pay for a massage, you'll go take a shower, get naked, sit in the baths and soak for 30 minutes, and then your massage therapist will come get you, you're already naked. In that context, in the baths at least, everybody's naked. It's not a big deal, but it's cultural context and that's what's so hard to describe to people. One of the things that I found is like, uh, primarily when I would look and perform a thought experiment, massage was table cream, glide, and nudity. And my work slowly took away the table, took away the cream, took away the glide, took away the nudity. So massage therapist said, I don't understand, this isn't massage, and I go, My clients love it. They're paying me top dollar. I'm writing workbooks and materials and DVDs. And the real upside was I could film and photo document everything. I could perform it publicly. I could just set up cameras and just like work on you and record it. You could work on me and we could record it. And we could, you know, go work with other people and record it.
1: It's brilliant. It's perfect. Um, And with regard to, um, you were saying like at Esalen. Uh, when they're like, you're naked in that cave, for instance, or something like that, that there, you would have like a certain moment of like, you know, there's like a a shame or something, but that there, if you have like a shame or embarrassment, that is like the perfect space for that to be healing there. And I can see that having profound effects on a person. And though, when they are then clothed on the table, there, I feel able to be in their body in a way that they wouldn't be when they're unclothed on the table. You're more relaxed in your body, not worrying, how am I perceived? If my leg is moved, am I exposed? My breathing, is my chest going up and down? Any of it, you know, you're, yeah, that's, yeah. And I'll think in this this world right now, we have that much space to be able to feel that much of our body and to feel that comfortable in our body, especially with another person. Um, How much intimacy and touch have we lost in this culture? In the last two years, we, it's hard to even be six feet away from somebody else. You know, just because that's how it's been. But like we had a plague three hundred years ago, we're still saying "bless you" every time we sneeze. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's it's good to be able to have that connection nowadays.
0: Yeah, there were just for me having a mat based practice, clothes on in particular. If you talk to a massage therapist, and this is back to that cultural conversation, if you talk about chair massage, they don't bat an eye because it's like they have a culturally sanctioned way of doing this. And I go, what's the advantage to chair? And they're like, it's quick. I'm like, cool. And what else? They're like, well, the person's closed so you can do it publicly. And I go, so why don't you put down a mat? It's quick. The person's clothed.
2: And they're like, oh, but
0: people don't want to get on the ground. I'm like, no, you're getting on the mat.
2: Well,
1: I think the only difference is that they were taught in school that in 1985, uh, David Palmer or something like that developed the massage chair. And so it's, oh, oh, I was told that in school.
0: And this is the thing in school, they're not taught any mat based work on the whole across the United States, generally speaking.
2: We were given a sample of massage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So we tried it and I loved it. And then, like, because I kind of stopped smoking weed during school. uh, But then, like, after I graduated and was doing the myofascial, when I smoked again, I was able to, like, I sense like, voom, boom boom voom. Like, I could almost see it going down. It's like, okay, I can feel, like, you have, like, an energy. I can, like, visualize that again after a time or, like, sense something going on, you know? So that was, that was neat.
0: Yeah. The The whole framework, when you tweaked some of the parameters, the thing that shocked me the most was clients would get a session, completely freak out, and go, dude, this shit is amazing. Why aren't massage therapists doing this? And I would say, listen, I'm teaching it as fast as I can. Generally, massage therapists tell me it's not massage. And the the we're like, oh my, are you fucking out of your mind? Like, dude, this is way better. And I go, when you have a culturally sanctioned way of being and then call that into question, that takes time like I feel like I'm battling an industry half the day. And the other thing is is like when you've got a practice that's wrapped around table cream glide and nudity, it's like I come in and essentially take away your prestige because they're like, "Oh, well, I have a hydraulic table. I spent thousands of dollars on this table." And I'm like, "I have a gymnastics mat I bought on Amazon." They're like, "What? But 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 I went to school and I have a license and I you know learned all this stuff and I go, I'm continuing education. Does that make sense?
1: It does, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like having just because, like, the mat, like, it's, I like just, like, right now I'm just sitting on the floor. I like the whole idea of just, like, lounging with the person. Like, I think yep. a big, benefit, it would even be just to sit with somebody and, like, listen to them talk. Not, like, talk therapists, but allow them to, like, express what's going on. And, that itself is one of the things I was taught is one of the most healing things to meet somebody where they're at is like big medicine in many cultures. Um,
2: Yeah.
0: Talking. It's the the thing I hear a lot as well. It's students will see video of me teaching. And so for instance, I'm doing this with a podcast. We talk, I can't be silent for five minutes. Let me just be aware of your presence
1: that was in massage yeah doing normal (laughs) i was kind of yeah like i was almost falling asleep during some of the things like i didn't you know but it's because like i like being meditative and going into a trance but after a while because you want the person to be relaxed and stuff so you don't want to keep taking them out of it so i like it was just kind of taking the whole session and like flipping it on its head going from straight massage to let's actually do some body work and it it feels good to say body work because then it sounds like you're almost like a mechanic, like working on the person, letting them know that, yeah, we're actually like treating things, not just some little blah, 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 blah. You're going to sit there and get some oil on you, um, which there's nothing wrong with actual massage and you know, it, it helps. But I've had people say that I like that. I'm not all like kind of greasy now and stuff like that. And
2: yeah.
0: yeah. The, the communication with the clients, and I have to remind the students, I go, listen, my sessions are three hours long. If I work on you and we chat pretty heavily for 45 minutes, there's still two hours and 15 minutes of.
2: It's very important for me to have the client
1: experience those moments of stillness. And I I tell them that, too. And that's why I like uh, in this Thai work some of these stretches, like you're doing it, you know, like you're leaning back with the person and you're, you're breathing with them. And it's, you do get these still moments that are really different because you're both kind of, you're yoga and stretching yourself at these same times. And it's like a mutual experience of just like, oh, for a moment. It's yeah, that's really nice.
0: Well, again, as far as a, a sales component, if I tell a potential student, listen, what if I can give you a practice where you can work on yourself at the same time as you're working on clients? That the the practice itself in giving can be as beneficial to you as it is to the clients. They're like, "No, there's not. No, you're just trying to sell me on something." And I'm like, "Really? Have you tried it?"
2: I mean, if the yogis did it to each other, then it's got to be beneficial.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the communication is um subtle. So, for instance, If someone talks to me about something that's not bodywork related, but um, for instance, it's very common for me to talk to clients about their pain or what their experience is, and then they may trail off into the stress they get into in traffic or whatever it is in their life. But I kind of factor that into their overall demeanor and how I'm going to treat them um, in, in regards to soft tissue. Like there's so much nuance to the intimate connection you're developing with the clients. It's almost impossible to convey to a student in any sequence how to make that sequence or how to craft a sequence, uh, improvise a sequence for that specific client, given their presented emotional, psychological and physical state.
1: I don't think any of it is cookie cutter like that the entire thing it's a therapeutic relationship and i was told like it starts like the moment that like they call you you know you answer like the phone and you begin engaging with this person you're building this therapeutic relationship um if you think of like magic or tantra or yoga or any of these sort of spiritual things of building and swirling of energy for instance you're consistently it's an up and back of like with the the client and it, like you're listening to them you're creating the space um even just the initial things they're telling you was important to them at the time your presence is allowing them the space to unveil whatever it is they're bringing to you and you listen to that you meet them where they are and just work with them in that because you're not trying to direct them not like oh well this muscle is messed up. Let me directly go just to this. Like the whole body works as a whole system and not to get like woo-woo or anything like that. Because like, I like to think of like biopsychosocial or that sort of thing. You know, it's, there's a multi, it's a multifactorial thing. Like pain doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It means that your brain doesn't know how to interpret the signal. And so even just sometimes, sitting with somebody and you just like put your hand on them they realize where their shoulder is in space again and they're like oh yeah this
2: is safe and they release yeah the
0: parameters for the work are different you have to market package it sell it in slightly different ways and i think to an outside consumer if a consumer is expecting a massage and it's table cream glide and nudity if you're selling this mat-based thing close on, it's kind of like, wait, so what? Like, what is this? And then it's like, once you go, what is this? It's like, why do they want it? Why do they want this compared to table cream gliding nudity? Because you will get clients who are like, no, I don't, I don't want this. I want, I want the massage. What is this? I want, I want the massage. And for me, it's an interesting education in marketing sales and business to figure out like how do you package this service i think it's superior for pain relief that's my biased opinion but how do you draw clients for that specific service and a large way i did that was being unapologetic turning on the camera done
1: Right. I absolutely, I, I love that. Uh, that's one of the things that I've noticed with you is like, when you're able to show them what it is and it's clothed, just like that, you can be like, this is exactly what it is that we're doing. There's like, it's almost no mystery whatsoever. I think that's yeah. one of the big questions So like, I'm trans, you know what I mean? Someone's going to go and get a massage for me. We're immediately like, you know, sexualized everything. And so to know like, oh, well, this is what it is. You're not like, well, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to have to like get undressed and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's very, very different
0: yeah yeah and that's one of the things as a, a man in the industry that i i'm a little more challenged with students um i've given statistics sometimes that 85 percent of the massage industry are women so women will ask me in class like what do you do when you get like basically creepy clients and i go one i'm not selling massage there is no table there is no cream glide and particularly there's no nudity When that happens and you're working on selling this service, in a sense, in my opinion, it completely desexualizes what you're doing. And in my case, I actively focused on pain relief. It had nothing to do with intimacy or connection or, I don't know, whatever relaxation massage is and however it's marketed. There's soffited lighting and candles and spa and incense burning. My, My packaging and marketing was none of that. In a sense, it's like, imagine you're a woman, somebody is contacting you, and they're like, hey, can I not be draped? And you say, absolutely, my clients keep all their clothes on. What? Immediately, that guy's not going to book a session. Does it make sense?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of how to go into that further, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm still like new to like doing this stuff here. Like I've had, I haven't had like too many people that are like completely creepy with me. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like you can, you can usually tell it's, it's more like, you're not worried whether or not someone's going to be creepy with you. You're going to worried about whether or not like they're receptive or accept you. Cause like you can usually tell on the table, like if someone is completely frozen up, you know what I mean? I'm just going back to like normal um, undressed massage. Yeah. Like sometimes like, because like when I worked at a place, sometimes like it's almost like they don't have, like if they're going in for a like couple massage or something like they'll they'll be weird around their girlfriend because you're trans or something, and you're wondering like are you transphobic or do you maybe have like a really like big thing for trans people because you're being strange right now, you know yeah. what I mean like, yeah, and so doing it like this it's completely different um I don't know it's it just it really does feel different
0: yeah and I, and I think. I mean, you could correct me. I've only done like minimal research on your social media. My sense of it, and I think one of the reasons I was drawn to you when I found your information on Facebook was the fact that you felt very flamboyantly out to me. And the thing is, leading with the camera first and saying, well, this is who I am. One, people don't have any mixed illusions. Like students will talk to me and they're like, why do you curse in your videos? I'm like, because I curse in my class. And if you don't like it, I don't want you to come to my class.
1: be be unapologetically yourself and i've i saw someone said um you should like market or push forth put like forward the things that people will discriminate you against because like at first you know it was hard to even say like i remember at first like i couldn't even tell somebody that was trans like it was even hard to say the words and so now like i've named my my business specifically like about trans people from like 2000 years ago and so it's like all that stuff was like changed historically and everything so i almost want to just bring it back and have like a space for like you know if any gay or trans people feel like completely safe and comfortable i know there's like facebook groups like safe on my table and stuff like that i feel like for uh lgbtq people or marginalized people to a lot of them like a very big aversion to touch and i think it would really help a lot of people um like gender dysphoria, uh, things like that, body dysmorphia, it, it physically takes you outside of your body. You know what I mean? You're, you're taking medicine to be able to be back in your body. And a lot of the things we're doing, um, our meditative grounding practices, like feel your feet again, you know, you're having a panic attack, uh, take some deep breaths, feel the the front of your body, feel the back of your body. This is a big reason that I'm I'm doing these sort of things because yeah. i it helps me so much. Like, finding now like, oh yeah, I'm a Reiki master and stuff. And it's like, oh God, probably because I I need to be Reiki fucking 10 hours a day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. It, It wasn't until massage school that I really realized, um, one, there was a complete like dearth of touch in the culture. People just don't, don't touch much. And it's not like I came from a household where my mother and father weren't affectionate or anything like that. It was just, People just don't touch a lot. Um, when I've gone to other cultures, like I went to Turkey many, many years ago, and these guys were drinking and, you know, do, doing bro time, and like they're putting their arms around each other on the beach, like walking down the beach together.
1: Right. I think we, we we're missing that as a society. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much homophobia that even like people are they super straight, so like they don't admit that they're like, attracted to trans women, like sort of thing. Like it's just like kind of like what the fuck. Um, yeah. And like, a lot of that like male touching is so like like they've almost like. Turned on maggots to oppose one another, and I think that that's just showing greatly in society. Yeah. And I think, like, if they would just allow themselves to not see things as being like gay, but allow themselves to gay it up a little bit, yeah, like it's a lot better. I've seen a lot of women that even say like, "Oh yeah, if a guy goes to a gay club, like, oh that's good."
0: Yeah, yeah it, it's 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 completely. It's mixed in, like, a, a, a million different ways. Like, I remember hanging out with some friends of mine in Baton Rouge years ago. I was working one of my first jobs as a massage therapist. And, and these are students who are probably at LSU and either their are bachelors or, like, working on their master's degree. And these guys who are my friends were like, oh, man, you work as a massage therapist. You get to touch, like, all the hot chicks, you know. And I'm like, dude, I work on your grandma."
2: And your, like, and, and your your yeah. grandma
0: loves me because I mur- nurture Maude and talk to her and find out what's going on. And then Bob comes in, and Bob's got some problem with his shoulder, and I work on him. And for me, it was very nurturing and healing to be able to work, I think, across gender and sexuality lines because I was always so fixated on, like, chronic pain. It was like, well, it doesn't matter where people are culturally you know, uh, gender wise, sexuality wise, like people who are in pain, I'm like, come here. Like, oh, you're 14. Cool. Your mom can sit in the room while I work on you. And I'm working on your clothes if I needed to. What, what I realized is my friends, they didn't have any interaction, even remotely comparable to what I was doing for work. Their sense of touch was where it was before I went to massage school. That's where they're going to be. I hate to say stuck, but likely where they're going to be for the rest of their lives.
1: And when you see an entire, like, sect of society as nothing but, like, objects to be, like, um, for your, like, emotional sustainment, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 women are only there to, like, you know, help me emotionally and things like that, you know? There's the whole, even in movies, you know, is the script, are they talking? Yeah, but, um, fuck, I forgot where I was
2: going with that. Um, As a trans person, though, I think that it if society was a little more comfortable then trans
1: people would pretty much be perfect for like any genders to see because yeah. like for a woman, so, okay, great. And then for men, you also like you, a lot of trans people have had experience, like, you know, I I know what it's like in a male locker room, for instance, you know what I mean? Like, I think just having that knowledge could make it like, you know, could just cross a lot of like, you know, Borders there and get like I don't know um, a good like commonality or something I don't know it's 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 weird it's it's weird to me that like a lot of people don't like trans people because there's really no reason not to I was
0: yeah I was having some some deeper uh, thoughts about this recently and I'm a, I'm a former philosophy student and I, I wanted to uh, make some more TikTok videos um, around some of these ideas because I think. One of the things that's happening in regards to transphobia is I I think it's actually a subset of a much larger issue. And the thing is, I feel like people as a whole, our science has progressed so much that the, the notion of what it means to be human is becoming transhumanist. It's like we're starting to get to the point where we're unlocking our genetics and we say, listen, I don't want to be a man anymore. I want to be – I recognize myself as a woman. And we can do that. I think some of the fear is actually bigger. I think some of the fear is in regards to – not not transphobia. It's in regards to transhumanism. It's like what if people could just flip a switch genetically and say I want to grow a horn out of the center of my head? People are like, but what does it mean to be human? Once you start asking those questions, I think – people's bedrock ideas once you start questioning that they get very uncomfortable
1: i used to think that that would have been a debate until i was like two to three years now out of trans and i'm like fuck it let them do what they want you know yeah. what i mean like, you yeah. want to put a synthetic implant that lets you like see wikipedia fucking go for it dude like let's just start a
0: <laughs> but it. but i'm very yeah. pro technology And I I describe myself sometimes like because I'm kind of ornery about people and culture, and I I call myself the Unabomber sometimes. Not in any promotion of violence, by the way. Like, if anything, the the Unabomber's downside is being a Luddite is like his ideas weren't good enough to sway the population without violence. That's That's the that's the downside. Like, I'm willing to have those Luddite conversations about technology, but. I think people are afraid of change. And what represents a higher degree of change than transhumanism? When you can actually alter genetics to do certain things. And here's the deal: everybody knows that like we cure diseases. But everybody knows it's coming to the point where it's like, well, I want a baby who's got blonde hair, is six foot five tall. And people get real like, ooh, you know, I don't know, but like they get very uncomfortable with that change i think
1: and you know you have the word transhumanism in there and all of it is just like keywords and like dog whistles so it's like oh trans transhumanism let's start gene splicing what is this like you know uh, uh, our maker is going to look at us upon like what the hell are you doing with your genes but like the whole thing it's even like just being trans like just like if you can be just continue to be be alive and be here because your very existence is changing things uh, that's why I like naming my business Galay Boutique, because it's calling back to the things that were changed in the Bible with relation to LGBTQ people. And so just having that there is almost like I'm going to put it out there for everyone to see it's in your face there now, and you can't change it. That is how it is. Yeah. And now it's like changing people's minds. It's changing society a bit. You know what I mean? Because now people are aware of ideas that were
2: like, filled up.
0: where does that word Galay come from?
2: Um uh Galatians in the Bible. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like uh it was the
1: feminized version of like a masculinized term because apparently the entire Bible was wasn't even written by anybody who was there. Um my girlfriend is very much into it all. Um Gali, uh Gallus, uh plural Gali, um was a eunuch priest of the Phrygian goddess Kybele priest. and her consort Addis. And so that's when you get like they said Addis was like this guy who just went mad and chopped his dick off or something. You know what I mean? Like we still have that stigma today. And even that was just wrong. Like Addis was most likely um, a high priest or priestess, trans priestess in like the mountains in like Phrygia, which is be like in close to like Turkey, like in Anatolia. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this is where all of that kind of comes from. And it was all, Changes in the Bible—you don't even hear that in like Galatians—and it was like the Celtic Gauls. They came on down there, and then it's River Gallows. It's this whole area there of like bringing in, like think of like the Ottoman Empire and the the Eastern belly dancing. You know what I mean? All the the stuff coming into like Greece and stuff like that that didn't mix well with Christianity. That was kind of like flubbed over, and so that's kind of where I'm at with that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting yeah. to me, and I've uh, not been to Thailand as of yet. But one of the things I've had people uh, talk to me about is if they're Americans who are studying Thai massage and they go to Thailand, it's often the first time they've ever been in an Asian country. And then they realize, oh, man, like it doesn't mean that everybody in the United States is a Christian, but there is a weird sort of like Judeo-Christian ethic that blankets the overall culture. Then you go to Thailand and it's Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And it's like got a very different cultural background, where it's like in Thailand, in a sense, like ladyboys are almost like a protected class. It's very accepted within the culture. Like nobody bats an eye, and everybody who's Buddhist is like, "Well, who's harmed?" Just
1: right. I don't know necessarily about that term, but yeah. still, it's, no, that is a, a thing, though. Um, and I mean, a lot of them, if, I don't know what they would classify themselves gender-wise, uh, but they're they're, trans. they're the trans. They and, get like and, yeah, they're very beautiful. Everything. Um, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I well, it's like people get into conversations, and I'm not uh, extremely familiar at this point. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Eddie Izzard at one point, I think, was calling himself a crossdresser. correct?
1: Yeah, Eddie Izzard has gone through a couple different yeah. things. Um, uh, my impression of Eddie Izzard is to let Izzy Izzard do their thing. Most trans people I know are kind of like, eh. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. like no, less, It's
1: a, it's all mixed. And- it's just not to say like that. I have no humor because I've lost my sense of humor. But no, like I'm funny. funny. <laughs> uh, like most comedy, it's just like even after like I hit 2008, like 18, 19 years old, like Family Guy, even in itself was like kind of some of those jokes were like I don't know why this is giving me like a weird anxiety, yeah. and now I'm not like a, it's oh it's dysphoria and everything yeah. is like in homophobic and transphobic.
0: Yeah, so like when you talk about uh, ladyboys in Thailand, I'm not even sure, like I don't have any judgment. I'm just like, like when I first saw Ideas Art, I'm like, what, what, the, what is this? Like he's a guy, but he's like dressed in women's clothing. But then the comedy was awesome. So it was like, okay, whatever. Like yeah. it, never, it never made an issue to me. It was just always interesting to see how people's um, expression of themselves would change. And I remember being at a kink-related event with the BDSM community here in Austin, and there was a gentleman who had dressed up as, for the evening at least, as a woman, as a cross-dresser. And you could tell they were like a little bit nervous and having, you know, communication and conversation, but there was a certain pride. There was a part of me that wanted to encourage them to like, you be you. You found a certain subset of people who will accept you, But like you, you go be authentically you like, don't let other people tell you how to dress, behave, who to have relationships with or whatever else. Like it was very, uh, I might be a straight white guy, but I'm very much an ally along the rainbow.
1: And I mean, even then, like any sort of like, I feel like resistances or things you might have inside of yourself are things that you have to like confront and face. And so like. You know, anybody like as you're just walking around doing things as a trans person, anybody who like feels something against you, that's you being there is now causing them to have to do inner work. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like you're completely facing all of that. And so going back to like um like trans women in Thailand, I wouldn't use uh the term used before. They do they call it uh Katoe. Um yeah as an identity used by some of the people in Thailand who has identities in English may be best described as transgender women or effeminate gay men in other cases. Um, most of them use the term Kato'i, uh, referring to themselves as Fu Ying, a woman. Uh, yeah. Significant Thai people perceive Katoe as belonging to a separate sex, including some transgender women themselves. Uh, yeah, well, they have yeah. legal recognition as of 2015.
0: Yep, it's just different different cultural context and that those things again we talked about finland and sauna culture and then esalen and nudity and then thailand and it's like the things change but everybody wants to act like it's just one thing especially in the united states where frankly i feel like a lot of people don't get out and travel around the world
1: like you're in texas right now right yeah yeah, like I know Texas isn't very good for like trans people either. Like half the country right now we're having to Texas see Texas
0: have- ain't good for a lot of things.
1: Uh, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um I, I know many people that were considering uh like uh war on habit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Um and like some states we're having to see as like refugees, like trans people as refugees. Um it's getting worse and worse. Um it's There's specifically, we're attacked via legislation. Uh, It's a different sort of, like, sense of, you don't have a sense of security when even, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, that even the government wants you dead. Like, yeah, yeah. And so it's hard, it's hard to even be, it's hard to be, be in your body, be present, be alive in general. Um, Yeah, That's. That's why I'm glad I'm doing this sort of work like that. It's productive. It's healing. It makes me feel in my body. And when I feel different inside of my body, my life sort of changes because a lot of things make me feel very bad inside
2: of my body. Trying to figure out. There was a film I watched years ago. And let me see if I can find a listing for it. Crying Game? No. No. I don't even
0: know if I've seen all of that, frankly. Oh, uh, The Cockettes. Have you ever seen that?
1: Hey, no.
0: no. Yeah, that? The the, the Cockettes. Uh, there was an avant-garde psychedelic hippie theater group founded by Hibiscus in the fall of 1969. The, the troupe was formed out of a group of hippie artists, men and women, who were living in the Cauliflower, one of the many communes in the Haight-Ashbury. So it's like this interesting documentary about a group of like gender bending artists, psycho- psychonauts in the sixties, you know, in the hate Ashbury. It's kind of like you got the Grateful Dead and then like, whoa, what is this? I didn't know anything about this. Like I've never the cockettes? I've never heard of this at all. Yeah.
2: Nice. No, I haven't heard of them at all. Yeah. Um was it like it was was it a
1: band, like a gender bending like band or something? Or? It was
0: more like it was more like a performance art uh, troop. Yeah. It's, it's been many years uh, since I've seen it, but I have a specialty in what I call depressing documentaries. So I've seen a lot of stuff over the years that, uh, is really, really interesting to me. Uh, let's see. And then it was, uh, there's one more I can think of when I think of the films that I've seen, but I'm having trouble coming up with the, the name off the hand, uh,
2: there it is paragraph This is really fun, by the way. oh you like this? no this is fun yeah cultural uh
0: cultural documentaries and things uh paragraph one seventy five have you ever heard of that? no so let me let me see if I can look it up just as that. it uh, pulled up a paragraph. 175 was another documentary I saw uh, years ago. So they've got a Wikipedia article just on that, but I'm trying to find if, if it's that's the name of the documentary. Yes. So Paragraph 175 is a documentary released in 2000, directed by Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman. Uh, it's the film... Where's the additional information? There we go. The film chronicles the lives of several gay men and one lesbian who were persecuted by the Nazis. The gay men were arrested by the Nazis for the crime of homosexuality under paragraph 175, the sodomy provision of the German Penal Code. So it's this documentary about essentially like Holocaust related stuff but it's very specifically around the Pink Triangle. Um, it's yeah. another documentary that just came to mind because of our conversation. It's not its not something I normally bring up at dinner party. Not always fun.
1: I mean, I, I do bring these things up at dinner parties sometimes, and sometimes I don't get invited back. Well,
0: I do, but I don't get invited back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, yeah, um, I've got a star wars with the Pink Triangle and everything. Um, it's, yeah, like, they're bringing back literal sodomy laws nowadays. And, oh, like, God. I don't know what your, you know... <laughs> political spectrum is but like that, that doesn't <laughs> i talked about
0: being the unabomber earlier if that gives you an idea
1: know, no, no. <laughs> but like it goes on your right of privacy that's what you're doing with your own body someone else's body consensually in your bedroom with nobody else there like you're gonna tell me that i don't have the autonomy to my own body like you know we're talking about trans kids and things like that like i, yeah. I cut the kids hair like oh i'm trans and some minors genders uh oh um but like no yeah absolutely um fuck that just lost what i was talking about there for a yeah. sec um but no yeah
0: yeah but uh great great documentaries the cockettes and then paragraph 175 or are, are two that like stand out of the stuff like i've seen over time
1: that's what it was uh like if even if like you're a libertarian or like an anarchist or anything like that all of these like laws like the Roe v. wade stuff like that that's right to your own autonomy. Jordan Peterson is even saying that like, he thinks that, he's like, should trans people be allowed to even transition? Should somebody be able to do this? Hmm, I think not. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? Wait, uh, are you sure? Or did you actually have to think about that, or was that in your head the whole time, and now you're just making a show of it? Hmm. When you go back on through his old things, he's very, white like, supremacist, like, actual Nazi ideology, that now it's almost like, He's not actually like the a, a doctor that people think he is. He's just some fucking propped up guy spewing yeah. somebody. He,
0: he comes up in conversation every so often with some of my friends and they'll ask me like what I think about him. And it's like everything I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't done like extensive research. He always reminds me of my uh, professors in philosophy from school because he's going on these weird like, mental mm-hmm. tangents in a cer- super cerebral way using language. And I haven't heard anything, for me at least, and again, I haven't done a lot of research, I haven't had, heard anything that really offended me or had ideas that like shocked me. Um, I did see a video recently where he was talking about, I forget what it's called, but generally they call it the 80-20 rule. where like 20- so 20... Talk- but no, yeah. that's
1: exactly the thing. That smile yeah. you're talking about, that's why you don't know about some of that's not, that's not you, that's why people don't hear about some of these things. It's when you are so prolific, it's all gonna be out there. And then you feel like Prager, you just pushing these things to make it all sound like it's legitimate, but really it's like I bought that book for somebody as a gift, the 12 rules for life, you know, clean your room. It yeah. seemed like it was lovely. pet a cat when you see one, sure. But then like you get deeper into his stuff and like it's all of these like, you know you know, like, like little teenage incels and stuff like that. Like a men, men's like super like men's rights. Have you heard of the manosphere?
0: Oh no, I don't. As soon <laughs> as you the, say that, I'm like, I don't know if I the, want to go look
1: it up. Like little kids is there's a, a thing. It's not even kids. It's like all the way up to like bodybuilders and beyond. Like it's the manosphere and you have to redo culture as we're talking about now, but they're specifically doing it in their culture and like, don't even talk to women, only talk to men. And this is what Jordan Peterson is like pushing kids towards. And it's just like, what the hell? That honestly it is all, it's going to sound weird out there, but it's like, you're basically pushing it towards like rounding up marginalized. people.
0: Ooh. And it seems
2: like a little bit of a jump probably at the moment, but no, that's but yeah. it all.
0: I, I wish I could like talk about it more definitively, but it's sort of like me watching I, the I, news I, they and they're like, you don't watch the news. And I'm like, no. And right. like, how do you get information? I'm like, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, like, and I frankly only have the time to like dedicate myself to a certain spectrum of what I can, you know, personally affect, deal with, teach, particularly right. in relation to my business. So for instance, I tend to attack like larger political themes or lo- larger social and cultural norms around the massage industry because that's the one I'm in.
1: Right, and so that's why like doing this here, Um, being trans and doing this, it directly puts a lot of people into conflict with their own inner thoughts about like what it means to get a massage, who you get a massage with, who's touching you, you know, all of that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it it does. Like just being trans and being like, yeah, you know, come, I'm I'm doing body work, I'm touching people for a living. You know what I mean? A lot of people would just be like, just doing it. it. It's it's out there in the ether. It's that yogic sense of when you take a breath, what is affecting your mind? It's
2: I'm living bread, free in some people's minds because of this.
0: Yeah. The g- gender and like culture norms. And, um, I'm trying to think of, oh, I see, I don't know why I can't draw out the names. Uh, what was the, was it Stonewall? Is that what I'm thinking of? The Stonewall riots yep. in New York?
2: bricks at police yeah
0: uh, yeah uh, i mean you know like like concerned citizens do (laughs) who've had enough (laughs) right you throw
2: bricks and burn things down
0: yeah it's like when when uh when me too happened and people were like man women seem real mad and i'm like yeah have you listened to them It's like I didn't have a moment where I was like, "Why are they angry?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like before, I was into politics. I was doing a whole different political party, so I was doing politics for a little while. Um, now they're saying right now that between Jordan Peterson and Fox News, the issue is how emotional women are. So you know, like women shouldn't be emotional. They're taking away their right to abortion and things like that, right? Yeah. But don't be emotional. So basically, the answer is calm down. And as we know, that's always worked.
2: Issue you is you. You need to calm down. Uh,
0: so, someone—I uh, forget what I. So, I basically—I wrote this Facebook post, and, and and basically, I'm I'm big on personal responsibility. And I go, if you don't like some, let's let's work together, fight the good fight, and change it. That that applies to civil rights, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Frederick Douglass, abolitionists, John Brown. Let's do it. Like, and and I mean, I hate to say this, but like fighting that good fight, a lot of people died.
1: They do, and because the culture,
0: people... the culture didn't want to accept that change, and it's like I don't really know how stuff changes. Otherwise, to be frank, it was. When I talked about you know personal responsibility this this woman said, "Well, that's fine for you. You have bodily autonomy, and I want to go, "Listen, can I smoke cannabis legally in Austin? I mean legally, not like I get a ticket if I have some weed or something. It's like I don't have bodily autonomy. they're telling me what things I can put in my body or not put in my body what like it's a different degree. I know it's not abortion it's not it's not the same thing, and I'm not trying to say that it is." But I'm saying just that I have bodily autonomy is not completely the case. Like, you know, d- the freedom to, I don't know. So, for instance, like, uh, in, in Illinois, not... this is a good question. So this like, is a, a totally different tangent. Go ahead.
1: No, like, you're absolutely right. We don't have bodily autonomy. Like, I have to fight just to have my fucking medicine. Like, I have to fight just to be, like, alive as, like, a marginalized person. And it goes, it's all the way, like, all, all of like, yeah, you want to talk about all these people are saying we need to, they're they're going to, they're going to fight like Steve Bannon saying, oh, they're going to have to take me alive. I'm like, fuck, fuck you, Steve Bannon. <laughs> like, you, you want to know, like, they're, they're, right now, they take away like women's right to abortion and autonomy. Like, you can't, that's something you can't back down from. You can't, once you reach that wall, you there's no further back. You can only push forward. Yeah, and like, yeah. you want to talk about large swaths of the population getting radicalized, like, what's it going to do to a father when like his daughter dies in a back alley abortion? You know, I mean, it's only going to get further and further. And like, as I'm saying, I'm trans, like the government wants me to die. Like there's nothing, there's no sense of like actual safety and security, like in life. So you, in order to keep going, you have to build that resist resilience or you would be dead. Yeah. And so like, they want to talk about safe spaces and things like that. Like I, fuck you. I created my own safe space. Like in my own like raw body and breathing. Like you want to talk about like who's willing to die for the things that they believe in. Like, like I'm, I'm willing to keep on fucking living. Like, yeah. like that right there is a radical fucking action. I'm like, who's really willing to die over this stuff. Like I have what, what
2: I have to fight every day to live. You know what I mean? Who's more radicalized in that sense?
0: The issue is, I think people who eventually see this are going to go, oh, come on. What are you? And it's like, hold on, hold on. So, I'm, And I'm just going to throw out some, some ideas real quick. And you, you probably know this way better than, than I do because you're involved in the community. Do people who identify as transgender have higher suicide rates um, than, the, than the general suicide,
1: populace? Suicide rates are about as high, if not higher, than the, the rate of cops that beat their wives, which is uh, 40%. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know. Every trans person I know has hurt themselves. I don't know anybody
0: who hasn't. And then it's like, so that's one category for like murder and homicide. Are they an increased risk for being like just killed in some form, murdered?
1: Last year was like the deadliest year on record for trans people. We've had like rallies of cops, like rallies for cops to say, kill transgenders, kill transgenders. Yeah.
0: It's like, and the thing is, I I talk about the uh, civil rights movement because it's the one I know a little bit more and it's more. Um, historically, like, in people's face. We know about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and Emmett Till. And it's like, I always think about, like, the average person who is white in the United States being like, well, it can't be really that bad, right? And then the civil rights, especially when the cameras came on and you saw women and children being attacked by dogs and the police, and you went, whoa, wait a second. And it's like, yes. There's a reason why Emmett Till's mother allowed those photos to be put on the covers of newspapers, because she wanted it to stop. It's, it's all of her personal pain, but it's really hard, once you see that, to go, oh. But if you don't know about it, if you don't know about Stonewall, if you don't know about those statistics we just talked about very briefly, and anybody watching this at home, you can get online and just do research about it. It's like, that's why people are afraid. I never walk out as a white guy in America and go, I'm going to be attacked for being a white guy in America. I never feel like my, my safety is in jeopardy because of that. So then it's very difficult to put myself in somebody else's shoes.
1: And I I saw the same thing. Um, I likened it to like, say you're a nobility or something like that. It's like the, the, the fall of royalty. Like you feel from like what your social status will be, perceive you as And now all of a sudden you go from like the top of the social thing to the very, very bottom. And I didn't even think that I was like in the very bottom until like recently. It's like, Holy shit. Like I got like $22 in my bank account. I, you know what I mean? Like, this is like, what the hell is happening? Like it's, and it's, it happens when you come out, when you start to transition. And it's, that's why it's, it's weird that some people have like so much like hysteria against this, but it is historical that at any moment your your son or your your husband could come out as a woman, or somebody could just become gay. You know what I mean? When you didn't know it before, how come there's so many more gay people nowadays? Well, it's <laughs> not. It's always been gay. Uh, yeah, like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's spreading. No, it's not. People are just realizing you can do that. I didn't even know that I could do this until I was like 29 years old.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's a definite. You know, thing. It's like your your personal experience so clouds and changes like your your perception. One of the things I I always loved about uh, Tony Bourdain was I felt like Tony would hop around and hang out with different people around the world, and it was like you'd get this little snapshot into a different culture. Usually, it was somehow related to food and like the food in their culture, but you'd. You get a snapshot of like a different group of different people, social status, class issues um, in a way that I always found very mentally stimulating to get like a different perspective than you did from, you know, your neighbor that you're around all the time.
1: Well, to me, it's it's like it's almost like alchemy. You know what I mean? It's two people are meeting and they, they meet and now both of them are changed because of this. You you found a commonality. Uh you see the humanity in each other it 's almost like the the ver- definition of namaste. and now you 're both changed and I feel societies change that way. history changes that way. the same sort of thing happens in body work there when two people are meeting and they they meet each other where they are, and so you 're working on somebody, you meet the resistance, and let 's sit there let 's wait. we come together until there's a change
0: yeah. I mean, one of the things I wondered about when we would have this conversation was years ago when I worked at a massage facility, um, the front desk and the way that the marketing was done, it was like the facility was put out front. I was just an employee of the facility, but being a man generally meant that I was going to get less clients, at least initially. I had to connect with the clients I could work with and keep working with them. And I remember one day a, a guy came in and I just did what I always did and went out and got him and brought him back to the room and began talking with him. And he was like, he almost didn't want to make eye contact. And he's like, I, I told him I didn't want a man. And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, I told him I didn't want to work with a man. And I was like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, um l- let me let me go up to the front real quick or come up with me and we'll see if we can you know take care of this. Because I didn't, I don't have any judgment. Like, it felt a little weird because I felt rejected for a second. And then I'm like, you hey, he don't know me.
2: He, he just,
0: just who knows what's happened in his life. I don't make any judgments. So we went up and took care of it. But at least initially when I started, there was the, the weird bias against men. And it was like, like, I would think about that and wonder why it is. And it's like, well, generally it was like, well, women are more nurturing. and Women are more protective. And women, I'm like... All these, like, gender norms, you know, which, again, I guess exist for a reason, but at the same time, it's kind of like weird assumptions about people based on very scant information. It's like, I grew up in Louisiana, so when I moved to Pennsylvania, I literally felt like, one, they assumed I was an alcoholic, and two, they assumed I was illiterate. And it's like, neither of those is the case. I just happened to grow up in Louisiana. Contrary, it's, contrary to what people think, we're not all in P-Rows f- paddling around shooting ducks like swamp people. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I've had people, that, I've had one guy, uh, he came in and he saw me and he said no. and just turned around and walked out. It's like, what the, f- like, that's, that's like, that's a rejection on so many levels. Like, even yeah. just on your career. And that's why I didn't like necessarily working for somebody because they're coming to the place and you are just like a feature that's there for them to choose. And that's why I like doing like this here because I feel like all massage and body work is so different. That's why it's kind of hard to unionize massage and body work is because it changes so much depending on the person. And you go to see the person. Yeah. Um, isn't just like the technique or anything like that. It's how are you relating to the person? Because again, it's the nervous system. How do they feel when they're with you? Does that change happen? And so when you're doing something like this that can be filmed like that, and it's so personable, and your your clothes, you're comfortable, blah blah blah. It's like they're able to just see you. They know that they're coming to see you. You know what I mean? And things that that you do and like that. Yeah, I've.
0: The, the personality, what I really decided at a certain point was it didn't matter what the culture overall thought. It was a matter of me putting my best foot forward, especially in video. Showing people who I am, showing people what I do, showing people what I help, showing people how I solve problems, and then drawing more of their friends, family, and loved ones. And that process worked inordinately well. One of the things I've noticed with students is they're like, they use this phrase, like, I don't want to put myself out there, is kind of how they'll say it sometimes. But it's like they're afraid of making social media content because they're afraid of people's judgment. And I'm like, losers are going to make all kinds of judgment on you. But when you draw the clients that you want and it's nearly effortless, and when you make money and it's nearly effortless, and you find your community and it's nearly effortless. The benefits, I think, far outweigh haterade comments on your Instagram.
2: <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I forgot where I was going to go with with that.
1: But no, you're right. I'm still like learning this stuff. And like, I don't know what what was the topic, real quick again.
0: Uh, it was putting yourself out there on social media oh, and being afraid of like yeah. hate mail and haterade and hateful comments. Oh,
1: well, I mean, I'm like I feel like I kind of have to put myself out there so people know who I am. Even just being trans, like I feel like I'm, 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 ble- I, I like the way that I look, and I'm feeling more comfortable with myself, which I think is a plus. But I think not everybody feels that way, and there's a lot of rejection with regard to trans people. There's a wide variety of even how they look, so how they may be accepted with people. Uh, you know what I mean? Like some people may did. And I think that makes a huge difference. That's why, like, what it's always a massage, like. The, the young pretty girl is what you think of, you know what I mean? But like, that's not real. Um, And that's not really what you're getting, going in for the massage, like for, but that's yeah. why I like being able to, I, I like that I'm going to be able to film myself doing what I'm doing. and I'm putting myself out there right off the bat uh, so that there isn't any like mystery of like, Ooh, if you take the mystery out, cause like mystery is often sexy, you know what I mean? And so like, Oh, the closed curtain, blah, blah, blah. The trans women's, ooh, what's going to happen? It's like, no, this is who I am. This is what I wear. This is my my uniform. Yeah. This is what we're doing. You know what I mean? So that they, they they see me, they see who I am. I even think that that could help to change people's like hearts and minds of even how they view trans people when they're interacting with somebody. And they're like, oh, no, I've had a good interaction with trans people. It isn't some scary, I don't even want to say anything negative about anybody's
2: appearance because that would be derogatory and transphobic. So,
0: yeah. There's uh, so many layers between uh, gender, sexuality, peeling those things apart according to social stratification, status, prestige. It's like... Oh. real
1: quick. This is... Massage is a very tough industry, I think, for a trans person to get into because there's all those <clears throat> barriers, even this the initial barriers of somebody's apprehensions of getting a massage from a trans person. That's why you know, thank you for having this tie work that can be filmed and for bringing it and having it so marketable, blah blah blah. And really, no, thank you because I've had I bought the class like two years ago, right? The the table tie, the 180, yeah, a sale like 18 um, credit hours for the table
2: tie. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: And that then will allow me to showcase who I am and what I'm doing in a way that I wasn't able to before. So
0: thank you. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is for you, if it's Sparkle Pony putting on a rainbow flag, (laughs) like waving it around, I mean, whatever it is that draws people to you and allows you to express your own creativity, I would always encourage students to go towards that. I just... Um, I just always knew, for instance, like I, when I started out years ago, I had my own website. It was Robert Gardner Wellness. I still have that website, but it's like, I called my, I called it Robert Gardner Wellness cause it was generally a wellness oriented business. I figured I would kind of branch out away from just massage. And then it was like, I was just always going to be a fixture, especially since at that stage I was mainly making money from clients. Um, and then we added classes, and then it's like, once you start dealing with students who are trying to promote their practices, they sometimes get a sense, again, of like, they almost want to hide, and I'm like, why don't you just go out on parade? And they're like, well, you know, a friend of mine, Michael, was a, a black man who's half Korean, who's gay, and it's like, Michael, just go be flamboyantly you, whatever the hell that is. Like, they're not all gonna like you, but you have to find the the people who love it the people who encourage you and then find their friends and family and loved ones like you can do that i think in in most towns it's just i think it's a there's a downside to this sort of you said like it's harder for people who are transgender to work in the like the larger industry like it makes me wonder about larger facilities like massage envy where the individual therapist isn't promoting themselves they're you know under that moniker of massage envy and then what do I don't know, because corporate chains have a tendency in my experience to hire less men because of the issues we talked about. But then it's like, ooh, employment as a transgender person going to a place like Massage Envy. I have no idea what that like I have no idea what their corporate policies are. Cause I'm assuming there's something in place where they're not supposed to discriminate, but it wasn't very
1: it wasn't, very it wasn't good at all. I went there um before I i even like shaved my face for the first time. Right. Yeah. I was working there before I had even like shaved my beard. And so they were marketing me as a male therapist. And then after I came out, they were still doing that and they wouldn't let me even like, they would let me sort of feminize my name, but they would not go by Kendra. So they would not let me change my name. They would not even go by non-binary pronouns as like, um, as like an in-between, you know what I mean? A compromise. Like, no, it has to be in there as male. I had to have my dead name on there. Um it was I got fired for um being for insubordination because I was like having a, an argument with the the manager. Like how can you even like do this? Like you know, it's just it was they were very much they said they would not allow me to go by my name or pronouns for the sake like basically the the well-being of the client. Um right, like like I understand, like, you don't want them to be scared, but that's that's very much, um, in half the country, you can, like, legally kill, like, a gay or a trans person. Trans trans panic. That's a fucking thing. Like, yeah. you go on a date, someone doesn't like that but find out you're trans, it can legally kill you? Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. It's like, wait, so I'm in trouble. The fact
0: that you can use it as a legal defense is disturbing.
1: Yeah, and so I got fired. I, I think I might have a case, but I mean, I did yell at the lady when I was in there, and I was like, I understand that... You know, with your religious upbringing, you might have a thing against trans people. And apparently that was not the thing to say because I got a call from the owner. It was like, you are not, you're not, you you can't say that to people. And I was like, um, (laughs) apparently you can just completely dead name and and deny a trans person to be who they are because of the job that you're working at. Yeah, And it was super fucked up. I I wasn't able to, to, I wasn't able to transition while working at Massage Envy and i got fired because of it
0: yeah and then I, it makes me wonder like how much of it is the particular franchise owner meaning that franchisee as opposed to like corporate policy for me. Well, I, I,
1: I was like i was like i'm gonna have I, I i wanted everyone's emails that was trans i wanted to send out a corporate wide thing because i want to talk to all the trans people to see what their um experience was and they were like nope we can't uh do any of that and um no yeah the corporate policy, I'm like, what you guys are doing because we were getting paid $17 and 50 cents per massage uh, only, only no, no, no. you get a, you get a minimum of $10 an hour. Right. And that's, yep. You get that as your base pay. And then only if you get like more than four hour four massages, does your then pay rise to 1750. So you're making like $50 a day. And then you can even do a couple massages, but if your pay hasn't risen more than that, you're working for no extra money. And I was like, I don't know how you do, what you're doing is legal. This is like a gray area. I, I asked questions Ooh. in school and they were like, they're like, we'll be okay. I'm like, how can you do this? They're like, we'll be fine. I'm like what the fuck, be we'll be fine. You're gonna, you're gonna fire trans people. You're gonna pay people nothing. I'm like, you're destroying people's bodies. Like, like I, I, I had to walk out one day cause my body was exhausted. I was making no money doing all those massages a day, and my body was breaking down. And uh, I was like, you go online, and therapists are talking about how places like Massage Envy just kills therapists. It grinds them to nothing. I'm like, I've never heard of this before. And I was like, don't fucking lie to me. And that was like, <laughs> cool. I was like okay, warning one, and then it was two days later, and then the day later after that, it was basically insubordination.
0: When, when, when students... Want to branch out, expand their practice, go into, I don't know, personal training or other other, holistic health coaching or whatever. I'm like, work for yourself. I'm like, oh, but that's a lot of work. And I'm like, Dude, like, I, I want to, I, you know, women are like, is it okay for me to wear? I'm like, listen, how about you wear whatever the fuck you want and nobody gets to tell you otherwise when you work for yourself?
2: It's very true. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: like, and, I, and I'm curmudgeonly and old and, you know, I'm 45, but it's like, I didn't want massage facility owners or chiropractors to tell me what service to deliver. Why couldn't I just work that out with the client? And at the time, I was working under a, a chiropractor's office for insurance billing, so it was very, not only under the chiropractor's thumb, but the insurance company. They're only going to pay for 30 minutes or an hour. My response to that was to go, go fuck yourself. I'm going to do private clients and work on you know, three hour sessions. And they're like, that's even massage therapists are like, that's insane. People won't pay for that. And I'm like,
1: Right. No, like your inspiration for those three hour sessions. I'm charged. I do I'm up to two hour sessions right now. And most of my clients want that two hour session. Uh where I was working before um after Envy, I did an independent contracting at a place and they were taking 50% of my commission. And that was I wasn't able to pay my bills with how much people I had coming in being trans is also a thing with that regard and how many people are going to come see you. So I have to price so that I can, you know, pay my bills. And so that's definitely a whole thing of like, I even wanted to like alter, it was like, there was such an issue of like classifications and then like, what are you going to do in the session? And when you have to then align to somebody else's practice and it's, yeah, you have to kind of work for yourself if you really plan on doing anything and develop your own practice and open up, own place really
0: yeah and there and there are certain sacrifices you have to make but in order to be unapologetically me I mean one of the happiest days I've had was when I was in fully in private practice and I remember walking into my studio in a t-shirt a pair of tie fisherman pants holding a cup of coffee it was 11 o'clock that's because that's when my work day starts and I say hey what's going on and it was like that was the the peak because it was like, I listened to the music I wanted to listen to. I communicated with the client and tailored the session to what I felt was gonna help them the best. The clients loved it. The practice continued to, to bloom and therapists were the ones who were like, I don't understand, this is this is crazy. Then I had students in class who would occasionally say, hey, you know, why don't you open a place and give me a job? And I was like, ooh. I'm like, how about you give me 60%? And they're like, aw. And I'm like, I'm giving you all the, the chops. Like, I'm giving you the information to build your own practice. Just cut me out. Just go to direct-to-consumer. Why do you need me to, like, have a brick-and-mortar building?
2: Oh, um, I I don't know which question you wanted me to answer there. Um, well, like, first, you were
1: just wearing the normal clothes going into, you know, with your coffee, just lounging. That's very, like, Thai Buddhist master. It was, like, the dude. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, when are you going to give better service to somebody in something like this that is a healing practice when you're relaxed? You're able to flow and be yourself and convey that to your students, too. Like, you're not going to be all uptight and things like that and be like, all right, now I just need you to relax. What's, yeah. That's that going to happen, you know? No. And so that's, that's all definitely a thing. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the fighting, it's like now I'm in a position where I feel like I'm fighting the student's fighting the school owners, fighting the industry, fighting the regulators. And then in the background, I'm like, why don't you just turn on the cameras and teach? And I'm like, well, the students keep telling me they can't learn online. And when I was a philosophy student, and when I start going, well, what is online? Like if I take this feed right here and I run it through four camera angles, which I can do and run it directly to YouTube. So I'm going to work on a model and live stream two hours, a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, and give new students 500 hours of new footage. And they're like, what? But we can't learn online. I'm like, what is online? 10,000 people can, can be in a room, not in a single room, but you can have 10 people in your facility, 10 people in somebody else's facility until we get the 10,000 people. You're all working as a group, just replicating what I'm showing you through the cameras. And it's like, it's like anarchy <clears throat> descends. People are like, nope, it's, you're not conforming to the normal, Yeah, the normal culturally sanctioned paradigms where trans people are worried about being fucking murdered for walking around. Dude, your culture is fucked up. Can we evolve? No,
2: you're you're absolutely right.
0: For sure. The whole thing, it's got
1: to change. We need systemic changes everywhere. (laughs) I heard a right, right in
0: the background.
1: in your smallest locality, you know what I mean? Even in your own practice, what you're doing, start changing the things around you like that. And yeah. you start just change, just keep going, change it all. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I love doing this work. Um, I love doing this uh, high this yoga stuff and everything like that. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. I love how so you're it's-
0: in You're in Illinois. You said you're in Springfield? Yeah. And then where is Springfield in relation to Chicago?
1: Uh Springfield is three hours south of Chicago and an hour and a half east of St. Louis.
0: Okay. So I have like a general geographic like understanding yeah, if, 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 of
1: this is St.
2: Louis here and this is Chicago. Uh Springfield's right here. Yeah. Yeah. And then dealing with like
0: different states, different jurisdictions, it's like it's gotta be Like, for instance, I always talk to people, like, I always think of cities as having, like, New York City, you know, L.A., San Francisco, even Austin, having their own sort of culture, but cities are more alike each other. And then there's this kind of weird uh, divide between what I think of as more, like, rural sort of America and then cities.
1: Uh, Springfield is, like, neither. It's, like, a small town but big um, it's only like a hundred and like something thousand people. And so it's like, it's the capital. And then you have like large financial people. You have a couple like high, you know, highfalutin society people here, but then all the surrounding areas is straight, like rural, like driving your truck around. Like they had an anti-vax thing here that ended up just being a Nazi rally. Um, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it was like, bad enough when we started though with the first one.
1: It's, it's ridiculous. Like, do you, you, you think, like, oh, there's nothing here? But no, actually, they had a big old giant thing. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, but, like, trans people so far here are not too bad. But um, at the same time, like, somebody running for governor, right? Um, his name is Darren Bailey, and his running mate, uh, Stephanie Trussell, is part of a, an organization called the Illinois Family Action. And they held an event that we protested. And they were straight up doing, um, like, QAnon anti-Semitic conspiracy yeah. theories Saying about like uh, you know the, the, the of kids genders blah blah blah, and it's like no, I, I, we've stolen like eight of that motherfuckers like signs now. I've got them up. In my...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time to be alive. I I try to remind people that I'm kind of pushing some of the edges for online education in the massage industry uh, in ways people aren't familiar with. But I grew up playing Atari. We had paper encyclopedias. So I was old enough to see all of this big arc of technological innovation in regards to communication. And there was a time as a child where I thought people just lack access to information. And now that we have an unbridled access to information, nobody knows what's true anymore.
1: When you have too much information, you get paralyzed. Like I I noticed that when I first (coughs) the Internet at 13 years old. Um, But you were saying, like, what does online classes mean to you? And like, I've got here is the the table tie I printed <laughs> that out. I did the math of like the shipping costs and everything on your website versus yeah. what Office Max has, and it was cheaper to go. And I, I, I factored it out. I printed this. I've got it in a binder. Yeah. I've got your intro to Matt. work. <laughs> like, I can literally physically pull this out and just like I'm working on somebody. You see this here. I'm let me just block this right here. I'd be like, all right, where is this gonna go ahead and do this? Oh, you got a question? Let me just pull up the video section right there and let's just watch it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what this work means to me. Like the online classes yeah. is I, I have physical access to what I was, would be learning in a classroom at any moment. I can convey that with confidence and clarity in the way that I was learning it because it's physically from the teacher. To the client themselves, and it's all like it's professional and everything. Like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. You can see exactly what I'm doing right here, and so it's new. But
0: once once we had the the four camera angles, it was like doing group classes, and then when I ran that in through Zoom and did one on one consults, the students like Michelle Ratz McGuire is in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I've never been to Canada. And she's studying with me online. And the funny thing is, is like her client is Tammy. Tammy's another massage therapist or whatever. And it's like, hey, Tammy, what are you having a problem? I'm, I'm, I'm Robert Garger. I'm talking to her client. And she's like, I'm having problems. I'm like, cool, let's put you inside lying, And then I'm walking Michelle on what to do. And then Michelle does it and there's like, the clients are like freaked, freaked out at how great it is. And I'm like, dude, there is no way that what I'm doing will not be standard practice in like 10 years. There, it's just, it's too effective a way of putting out information to be able to help people. There's just no stopping what's going on. And I still feel that I had a con- conversation with Jarrett the other day in podcasts. And he's like, he's like, educators are still acting like they're secrets. And I'm like,
1: and like, yeah, the, the portability of this work and everything like that and how you could just basically take anybody off the street, sit them down and just move with them. Completely revolutionizes it, and I know a big part of what you talk about is value—the value of your classes and the value of the subscription to be able to show the video. And like you just referenced, you spoke to a client there. Think of the value for that client—they're having a session with somebody, and they're speaking to that person's
2: teacher. That's that's something that's quite special.
0: It's not given a lot of specialness in the industry.
1: it's very special to the client, and what is it and that's how you change like lives is those individual moments with somebody, the one-on-one interactions you have with somebody. That's what it takes to change somebody's heart and mind.
0: Yeah, the 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 thing I hear from students is like hands-on or in person, and that's starting to become the death knells. Like I'm trying to deal with, I'm like, yes, come and study with me in person, and they're like. I'm like, pay me. And they're like, oh, it's really expensive. And I'm like, that's why my subscription service is $7 a month. Like, guys, there's, there's only so much of me to go around. There's a reason I'm training Kristen and Danielle and as many students as I can work with, in-person classes and wherever. It's like it'll never satisfy the demand. But it made much more sense for me to work with you in Springfield, take those recordings, and then use those recordings to continue educating other students.
1: Absolutely, and the ability to work remotely like that it branches everyone from all over the place, and it's be more environmentally friendly. Really. You don't have to travel across the world or across the globe. <laughs> I I you
0: thought know. about I thought about marketing some of my online stuff as like the green option, like really hammering that away to make it look like in person is like it's burning too many fossil fuels,
1: <laughs> like just energy yourself is expended. Um, I'm gonna have to just uproot myself from my life. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go stay in a freaking hotel room. You know, like none everybody wants to do that.
0: Once yeah. the students, once Michelle Ratz McGuire and others understood it, she just went, but Robert, like I don't have to go anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, like to me, that was totally obvious. That's what I've been trying to tell the students, but it's like, they don't really believe it until like 20 or other people say it. Otherwise, they just think Robert's some smarmy salesman. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to help people, and I happen to use cameras to do so. That's all. And I mean, I wonder if
1: people just don't realize what the value of some of these, like, larger um, continuing education classes are. My first one was, it was a five-part $2,100 class Uh, that was 100 hours of uh, myofascial, which wasn't normal myofascial. That's just like, it was like, I'm putting my hands on you. I'm going to breathe with you and start stretching some skin around and see what happens and wait for something to change sort of thing. And so that there revolutionized what I was doing for me so far different from what everyone else was doing that I don't think people realize that when to be able to learn something like this and to learn either in person with somebody that right there, have that one-on-one where they can see what you're doing or even just be able to go back over something with your teacher again. Cause yeah. I took a class a couple of years ago. It was a huge class that I took. I'm still like going back and trying to remember all the notes I took and everything, but to be able to watch the video over and over, like you're reading the manual. I was like, I have a question. Like, how should I be like, how should like my legs be in this? You know what I mean? Which angle, like, you know, cause you got to like, how's my body going? Just go back to the video and you see exactly how Robert transitions from one thing to the other. And you're like, all right, I can just do that right yeah. there. And it's
0: yeah, it became, it became over time, standard practice. To try to run as many cameras as I could and film the entire class and give the attendee a copy of the recording, like you're okay. not just getting a workbook and a DVD, you're getting like the entire copy of your actual class, and they're like, is- "What? And I'm like, "You're in class, I'm recording the class. I'm going to make sure you have the recordings free of no charge and they're like, "What?" I'm like, well, let's go beyond that. You can see every class I've recorded since 2017, starting five years ago, for seven dollars a month, and your first month is free. And they're like, what? I'm like, I stopped listening to your culture and your school owners a long time ago. Let's go.
1: <laughs> well, the, the seven dollars a month for continuously learning more and more about the same practice, you know what I mean? Just in depth further. Yeah. I think that's that is just wildly like valuable because like. To learn something first, like, okay, cool. Well, I want to be more, like, saturated in the environment of it and, like, kind of absorb everything that's happening. And even as I'm learning it, I'm seeing even more and more free CEs that, like, I'm, I am I'm have my, my mat coming. I'm learning more and more about mat work already for free just on what you're offering there. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it, it's great. I'm like, do, do you have the $7 thing? You put one thing on sale, and now... Look at that! You have somebody who's revolutionized in their practice to, to to do what you're doing.
0: Yeah the the whole thing like students would kind of ask why I didn't just keep seeing clients and I'm like because I can't help as many people.
1: That's that's very true. Yeah, and like to when you're able to do that and then you're teaching other people how to do that themselves, that's. You yourself can only do like four a day, say, you know, comfortably like that. And then you're teaching somebody else. You teach 10 people. All those people know how to do that. It's like, you know, you're just distributing that that on out. And if this is profound work, you're sending all that on out there to everybody. That's pretty good karma.
0: I mean, the the authenticity, uh, the drinking, the cursing, the ranting, the raving. (laughs) I get to hang out with people that I want to hang out with. Hell yeah. Exactly. It's like, I don't, you know, it's like you're asking her, like, where I fall politically or whatever. And it's like, ooh, well, I ain't a Republican. I mean, I'm a Republican about some things, if you want to say I'm more conservative about something. Am I a Democrat? Well, you know, I'm, but I'm kind of more progressive about other things. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I think for myself, you know, I have a lot of leanings, a lot of different ways, and ways that confuse people. Um, I remember what I was going to say about uh, bodily autonomy uh i don't and i because that's that's how i got to the fact that you were in springfield do you know can you drink raw milk in illinois
1: um unpasteurized milk i don't think so
0: okay so in texas you can drink raw milk raw milk is inspected and in, in facilities that are producing raw milk from local farms are inspected but that milk cannot be delivered the, the the farmer cannot take that raw milk and go sell it to a local store. These are laws that are put in place. And everybody's like, well, that's to protect the public. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think it's to protect the dairy industry. But, you know, I got different opinions. And it's like, when it comes to bodily autonomy, can you drink raw milk?
1: <laughs> I've always loved your your thoughts and opinions on, like, massage licensing, for instance. like. Ugh. <laughs> like, yeah yeah it, it, it stops people like even though it's this Thai massage like body work it, in some place you know what I mean it could be argued that some of this stuff we shouldn't really be able to do about at the same time soft tissue manipulation like I can't go like this to somebody else for money like half the world this is massage yeah
0: yeah it, it's like it so as an educator and because I'm nationally certified and teaching classes online I run into all this regulation which kind of leads back to that autonomy conversation and i think you could correct me if i'm wrong in illinois body work is its own classification you don't need a massage license
1: um i think you probably do i think any sort of soft tissue manipulation if you're doing it for money you have to be licensed not 100 percent, but i feel like that's what they told me in school
0: and and and, and maybe maybe it's maybe it's different specifically or... in chicago i don't know you know, don't just know. don't, no, nobody listen to me, get a lawyer, whatever. Now uh, in, in, in uh, Colorado, for instance, you can do Thai body work without a license, but if you do Thai
2: massage, you need a license. That's ridiculous semantics.
0: And I've then, of- and, and then people in Texas, cause I live here, they're like, can I do what you teach? And I go, yes. And they're like, no, no, no. Can I charge for it? And I'm like, uh, you might know, want to get a lawyer. And they're like, oh, but I'm like, listen, I don't make the laws. I don't make the rules. It depends on what you're calling it. It depends on a whole host of factors. Is like what I teach yoga therapy.
1: Right. And it's, it's cool that it's yoga. It's almost even crossing into, yo- like, you know, the yoga territory. Like, even just for Reiki, I got attuned to Reiki. And I was like, okay, to legally put my hands on somebody in Illinois and get paid for it, I
2: have to have a massage license.
0: Yeah. It's it's like the, the, the distinctions, and students sometimes don't understand this. When the student says, well, can I do this? I'm like, okay, it depends on where you live and the jurisdiction and the laws and rules in your area, which is why I say go get a lawyer. And they're like, oh, but I just, I know you want me to give you a permission slip, but that's not how it works. Now, this is how weird it gets. I have a trademark for Time Massage Jam. I go into Colorado. I lead a Time Massage Jam. Could the state of Colorado say... You don't have a massage license in Colorado, so you can't host this time massage jam within our state borders. And then somebody does Thai body work in Colorado, I certify them in my time massage jam, and they can't do the time massage jam because they don't have a massage license in Colorado.
1: Invisible little border is just meant to divide and create power over others and be like, nope, you can't do this here because I don't like it anymore.
0: Oh So, yeah, I mean, and this, this gets more complex, but I'll give you a quick example. In Texas, a very large state, I'm in central Texas. I have to drive a long way to get out of the state. Um, I cannot give hands-on instruction online for CE credit, even during COVID. Wow. There is, n- in Texas, the, home, uh, the state I'm in, there is no instruction online for, like, hands-on and
1: so everyone in, in the, 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 the 16 hour to drive across state of Texas, do you have to do all of your CEUs in person?
0: Or you can take a class related to theory, which includes like I have a business social media marketing class. You can take that because it's not hands on. Make sense?
1: Yeah, I see a lot of hypocrisy there with like well, how, they themselves, well, how they tell themselves what they can and can't do.
0: Well, remember I talked about the dairy industry. I'm like, I go, I'll be in a class and go, guys, why are the laws like that? And they're like, well, but you know, it needs to be hands-on. And I'm like, because school owners don't want competition from people like me. And they're like, what? I'm like, the laws aren't passed to protect you or protect the public. The laws are passed to guarantee their revenue streams. They don't want me. If If they change that law in Texas tomorrow, I make this as a promise. If they changed that law, I would give every therapist in Texas free CE credit till I was dead. Good job. Now, who wants that? Not not my competition. (laughs) So this is what a story I was getting to so you understand the complexity here. So I finally, I have a much better computer setup than I did when I did this the first time. But I taught Thai style foot massage. Uh, Table, mat... And then mat base with like tools, Thai foot sticks. I taught six hours of Thai-style foot massage online. This, cra- this class was approved for NCBTMBCEs CEs by the National Certification Board, even online. Now, you can't get credit in Texas, but I could still teach it online in places like maybe Colorado or Tennessee or wherever they could get the credit. So a lady who took the class who lived in Arkansas didn't like something I said proceeded to call me, and in my Bluetooth, cursed me out while I was live teaching the class. So, long story short, she got so angry at stuff I said, she reported me to the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation. What happened? Well, I I have a lawyer, and I know the law well enough, I didn't even contact my lawyer, because TDLR is writing me all these emails, and are checking on me, and having phone calls, and, you know, like... And they're basically going, Robert, are you teaching CE credit online for Texas therapists? And I'm like, hold on. Texas does not allow me to teach hands-on instruction online. And they're like, correct. And it's like, are you making it appear that you're giving CE? No. I happen to live in Texas, but I'm teaching on the internet. And here's what I knew, and I didn't contact my lawyer because my lawyer charges $300 an hour. I, I later, a year later, contacted my lawyer and said, hey, uh, I just wanted you to know I was reported to TDLR. This lady got mad, can, said I compared myself to Jesus or you know whatever. Well, something I said, pissed her off. And then basically, she lives in Arkansas. I've never been in her physical presence. I've never given her a session. She's never been in my physical presence to take a class. She reported me to TDLR and said that they need to re- remove my CE providership or whatever in Texas. And I said, Mr. Lawyer, if the state of Texas doesn't allow me to teach hands-on instruction online, anything I do on the internet has nothing to do with the jurisdiction of the state laws of Texas. And he's like, ding, 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 ding.
1: <laughs> it's unnecessary. That's somebody else going out of their way to stop you from doing what you're doing. <laughs> it's like, what do? like, you know, just a simple person trying to make their way in the universe. Like, come
0: on. And all it is fundamentally is like, I don't like something he said, and I'm like, "Ooh, you think that was bad? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you haven't been drinking with me." <laughs> so that's what I mean about the regulation. The students, it's it's like they just want to, you know, go to work and work on people and have it be cool, and I understand that. But when you're dealing with like state to state regulation and CE credits and all this, like it's amazingly complex. I've had students in Texas take my classes online. If, if the class is called Table Tie, you come and take the class in person in Texas, you can get CE credit. The online version of that class, you can't get CE credit. Then they'll call me and start complaining, and I'm like, wait, hold on. And they're like, you made it look like, no, 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 no. All of those classes have a blurb that says, make sure that your city or state accepts NCBTMB home study CEs. Most students I talk to do not know the law in their own state, much less the other 49 states they expect me to know the law in. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Indeed. And I go, I'm an anarchist. I can stream to YouTube two hours a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, and give you another 500 hours of footage every year. And they're like, Aw, but but do we get CE credit? I'm like, Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just learn the thing for learn the thing about the
1: CEUs. Let's go do it, right? Be like, where's your CEUs for that? Be like, I don't need any CEUs.
0: <laughs> it's it's a uh, anyway. <laughs> so
1: uh, any closing yeah. thoughts? Um uh closing thoughts. I think that doing this Thai massage is not only really revolutionizing the industry, it's changing the way that clients see massage and body work. It changes the way they see their own self-healing. Um, they, instead of just this is a luxury to go get bathed, it's a session of, like, yeah, I'm going to actually go in there and get and get work done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, I love it. I love that they're able to just be comfortable. Um, I love the whole aspect of just it, – it's, it's – I feel like I'm lounging. You know what I mean? It feels almost like I'm not doing work because I'm able to just like be with the person.
0: Oh, so this happens. I'm telling you, if you continue, especially through my subscription, if you keep going for a year or two and you get to suspension, you know, you think it's lazy now, dude. There's moments where sometimes I've got that client that I get along with so well. The music is so rocking, the session is so rocking, and I am seeing so lazy to deliver the session. It's transformative, but I don't have to work hard to do it. I'm like, I get paid to do this? <laughs>
1: Think about, like, uh, the harder I worked in the session, like, the more, like, I'm earning that money. And now it's like, you know what? Like, no, I don't need to hurt myself to do yeah. this. Yeah,
0: Effectiveness. That's what the clients will pay for.
1: Harder, not harder.
0: Yeah, effectiveness. The clients, they don't want us to hurt ourselves, one. They don't yeah. really care if we're sweating. Like, But if it's effective, they'll, they'll pay. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so. Let's see. So people can find you on your website. It's just above you. And they could follow you on your social media.
1: Yep, pretty much everything is Galay Boutique, G-A-L-L-A-E-N-M,
2: Boutique.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. It looks like a Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all good. Well, listen, yep. thank you so much for having the conversation with me. Um, after you get a little more practice at Matt Work, you talked about maybe coming on again. Feel free to contact me when you're ready for that, and then we'll just do another podcast and kind of update where you're at.
1: Awesome. No, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate the time and everything. And I love talking with you. Hope to be
0: good cool. Soon. Yeah. Hang out just one second uh, after I finish up. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much, Kendra, for being here uh, for my viewers. It's really, really awesome. And we'll talk to you guys again very, very